We begin a new paragraph now. Philippians 4, 4 through 7. And in this session, we're going to focus just on rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. So, Father in heaven, as we focus on this double urgency of rejoicing in the Lord Jesus and in you, Father, and we hear him say it again, that we're to do it always, grant us both to understand what he's saying and why he's saying it this way, and grant that we would experience this. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Let's make a few observations and then look at the wider context. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say rejoice. We are back here to plural. You can't see that in English, but you can see it in Greek. And the reason I draw attention to it is because the last thing he was saying was to ask this true companion. I ask you, singular, true companion, to help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. And the next thing he says is rejoice. And you might think, oh, he's still talking to the true companion, but he's not. He's talking to all of us now. He's talking to Euodia and Syntyche and the rest of the church. So that's the first thing to observe. The next thing to observe probably is that it is in the Lord we are to rejoice, not in circumstances. We'll come back to that as to why it won't work in the way Paul is thinking to rejoice in how well our ministry is going, for example. We'll be back. And then he says, always, not like there are some situations in which rejoicing is appropriate and other situations where they're not, but always. And then most peculiarly, he repeats himself. Again, I will say rejoice, although it is interesting that this is a real bona fide future here, and it would sound a little different if I translated it this way. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again, I will keep on saying, I will say again and again in the future, if I write you again, <laughs> or if I come and see you, I will say rejoice. In other words, this is not a one-time thing that I'm going to tell you. This is something I'm going to repeat over and over again because of how essential it is to the Christian life. And maybe one other observation before we broaden out our glance. What's repeated is simply rejoice. He doesn't repeat in the Lord. He doesn't say rejoice. And again, I will say in the Lord, rejoice. And he doesn't repeat the always. He doesn't say, rejoice always. And again, I will say, rejoice always. The only thing he repeats is joy, which probably simply means not that the in the Lord is unimportant or that always is unimportant, but that this is the burden. This is the focus. This is what's going to relate to what follows. It's going to have to do with this peace that we can enjoy. It's going to have to do with not being anxious, which is what we'll come to in the future sessions on this paragraph. 
But for now, I just want to focus on why the always is necessarily grounded in saying the joy is in the Lord. And it's, it's always because in this letter there are numerous obstacles to joy that might make us think, well, this is no situation for joy. Like in the preceding paragraph, Euodia and Syntyche are not agreeing in the Lord. I entreat them to agree. So you've got internal conflict in the church. This is just maybe the tip of the iceberg. So should we rejoice when there's conflict in the church? And right after he says there's this conflict and he wants his friend to help him, he says a double rejoice. And there's conflict outside the church. Remember back in 128? Don't be frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction and of your salvation and that from God. So you got conflict in the church. you got conflict outside the church. And the church might say, this is no time for rejoicing. And then what about Paul's imprisonment? Chapter 1, verse 12. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. He's laboring in that right there to say, look, yes, it's discouraging in one sense that I'm in prison. And I understand that. But please understand God is at work to make this serve his purposes. So, yes, you can rejoice even while I'm in prison. And what about, it's just one more, chapter 3, verse 21, Christ will transform our lowly body when he comes, second coming, to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him to subject all things to himself. This lowly body here is sick, right? It can get sick. It can get depressed. It can have its head chopped off. There's lots of bodily reasons that many of you deal with, I'm sure, that are a cause not to rejoice. And yet, Paul is insistent, always. And the reason it can be always is because of this precious, precious truth in the Lord. In the Lord. It's not circumstances. Remember, he has just said that these women and the others have labored side by side with me in the gospel, together with Clement. And then he says of them, the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life, Syntyche is there, and Euodia is there, and, and you are there, and the other fellow workers are there. They're in the book of life, and that's why I'm calling on you to rejoice, because your names are fixed by the Lord in the book of life. And the reason that jumps to my mind as so relevant is because when Jesus spoke about this in Luke 10, Behold, I have given you authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this successes in ministry. Well, goodness gracious, that's a wonderful thing. Satan is falling. Ministry is succeeding. Praise 
God, let's rejoice. And he says, just by way of contrast and emphasis, don't rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are in heaven, are written in heaven. Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. So he has just said in Philippians 2, your names are in the book of life. And the next thing out of his mouth is rejoice. So that the idea is always, whether your ministry is soaring with success or whether it looks barren, that's not the ground of your joy. The ground of your joy is in the Lord. And maybe just one or two observations of what that means. Remember back in 125, convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy of faith. Joy is what faith does when it looks to God, looks to the Lord, and trusts his promises in the face of imprisonment, in the face of internal conflict, in the face of external conflict, in the face of lowly bodies, faith looks through all those problems and sees the promises of God. And so the joy of faith, these are almost synonyms, or at least it's fair to say faith does this always. Here's Philippians 1, 18 to 20. Yes, I will rejoice for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus, this will turn out for my deliverance, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not at all be ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. So joy can be whether we live, joy can be whether we die, because we're believing this great power of Jesus Christ to be with us in life and be with us in death. Same thing here in chapter 2. Even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering, that means die, upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and I rejoice with you all. Likewise, you should be glad and rejoice with me. Joy, gladness, joy, gladness as he dies. That's what faith does when it looks to Christ. And when it looks to Christ, what does it see? Philippians 3.8, indeed, I count everything as loss, my life, my health, my peaceful church, because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. So when we come back here and we see rejoice in the Lord, in the Lord. Always, through all those difficult circumstances. And again, I will keep on saying till the day I die, joy, joy, joy of faith that lays hold on the promises of God grounded in the Lord, enabling us always in every circumstance to rejoice. That's the way he's starting this paragraph flowing from the words, your names are in the book of life. Now we turn to the connection here. What's the relationship between the call for gentleness, the relationship to the Lord being at hand, the relationship to not being anxious, the relationship to having peace with God? That's where we're going.